Bless me again. Hey, hope you had a good day. We got a great rain today. My goodness. Uh, one little green thing right over Tifton. That brother, it, it showed out. It's good to be here. If you will, take your Bibles tonight and turn with us to John chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 35. John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 35. Father, bless tonight as you already have. Father, open our hearts just for a simple message. Lord, to just make someone's day. Lord, to help someone just feel that they are unique. God only made one of them. They're worthy. They're valuable. Jesus died to save them. And Father, help us just to do that, and we give you praise. Hold us together now in your sweet spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Beloved, Jesus made his day. Years ago, in the Associated Press, it carried a news item that a man named Scott McVeigh had been given the responsibility of dispensing three and a half million dollars each year from the estate of the late Geraldine Rockefeller Dodge. Miss Dodge, who died in 1973, bequeathed her estate to a fountain or a foundation for charitable, scientific, literary, or other educational purposes, or for the prevention of the cruelty to animals, or for the encouragement of art. So as the executive director of the Dodge Foundation, Mr. McVeigh had the task of deciding who was to receive the money each year. He had a thrilling but fearful responsibility. Can you imagine having that placed on you? 
Beloved, Jesus came into this world to give away something that's far more valuable than what this man did. He came bringing the rich gifts of God to the hearts and lives of all humankind. He gave the gift of forgiveness. Just to know that we are forgiven. As the Apostle Paul would tell us or teach us, we're made new every day. We have no past. There's nothing to hold us back. He came to give us the gift of a new life in him. He gave this gift of encouragement and the gift of truth. There is such an entanglement today of what the word truth really means. Is there absolute truth? And he encourages followers to be givers of this great gift. Can you imagine this? We're out here, way out in the country, in a little small country church, what possibly can we do? There are a lot of people in big churches up in town. They'll go out and do something, then put it in the paper, write a book, open up a store, and teach things. But what can we do? Beloved, we can make somebody's day. We can go to them and be an encourager. And to that person, you're like the world to them. People are struggling. I don't understand how some people are making it. I really don't. God has just so blessed me that we're getting by. We're not naked, we're not hungry, we're not homeless. But beloved, I want tonight just to encourage us to reach out to somebody as Jesus did and encourage them. He encourages his followers to be givers of great gifts. So this evening, let's consider the possibility of giving the gift of affirmation, the gift of worth to someone, somebody that will listen. It 
it's amazing what a few kind words that we offer someone will do. In the drive-thru the other day at the bank, I usually go in because I'm always in a hurry, but we were in the drive-thru, three or four cars ahead of us. Something was going on. I don't know what kind of transactions were being made, but we were there about 30 minutes. And I think there was one or two girls trying to have three or four lanes. And when it became my turn, and I stuck my little check up there and said, I just want to get this cash. I've been putting money in the bank for 60 years, and I want to start taking it out. And so I sent it in, and then I heard machines going and somebody mumbling and sent it back. Thank you, Mr. Cadwell. I said, thank you. God bless you. Just have a good day. She got so flabbergasted, she didn't know how to answer. Uh, well, thank you. You know, maybe her day just needed making. Maybe there was something that we could say to affirm someone. Webster defines affirm as a confirmation or ratification or to assert as valid. It's defined as confirmation of anything established. Hey, Luke, he came just to see me, didn't he? Hey, brother. Jesus majored on giving the gift of affirmation to people. So John's gospel declares, for the God sent the Son into the world, and let's please understand this. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So I'm thankful that Jesus did not come to condemn me, and I could have, I could have had it. I could have been condemned unjustly so, rightfully so, but he came to save me. People need to hear this. Jesus did not come into this world to be a critic. He came to be our Savior. He came to accomplish his task. And he affirmed the work of individuals. And he did this in a manner that to him was great pleasure. And he did it in such a way that it caused people just to listen to him. He could draw a crowd of thousands with just his words, his mannerisms. And beloved, you and I can also give this priceless treasure to those around us. There are those out there that just need an encouraging word. I want to mention maybe two or three. I want to see this. Jesus gave this gift of affirmation to Simon Peter. I have always said it, and probably you've heard me say it, of all the disciples in the Bible, Simon Peter reminds me 
the most of any of those other disciples. You know, quick to speak, loud mouth, always wanting to be the closest to the Lord, get out of my way. But our Lord had the habit of seeing the good in other people. Now, Jesus, he's God. He knows everything. He recognized the volatile, unstable, explosive, fickle, fluid nature of Simon Peter's heart. He was a fisherman. And nobody could curse like those old salted men who made their living out on the water. But at the same time, Jesus visualized the fact that this man, this man, Simon Peter, could become a great rock. Jesus saw something in this man that nobody else could see. Old Simon Peter. So Peter, so Jesus affirmed him at the very beginning of his acquaintance. We know Simon Peter. At one time, Lord, I'll die for you. At another time, no, I curse him. I don't know him. At a time, Jesus would look at Simon Peter and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. And then Peter, Peter could preach a sermon and thousands get saved. Jesus saw something in this man. And Jesus knew that if he affirmed him, gave him a chance over and over, forgave him, got him to acknowledge him as his Savior, he could become a great man. And where would this Bible be without Simon Peter? Jesus saw a failure, a man of the world, and he affirmed him. He called him. He saw something in him that we wouldn't see. And then secondly, Jesus gave this Samaritan woman this gift of affirmation. This woman, brother, she was a case. But our Lord crossed racial, gender, religious, cultural, barriers to minister to this Samaritan woman at the well. And we know all about her. We don't know a lot of her past, but she'd been married five times. You know, and if I was a marriage counselor and she'd been married five times, I would sort of begin to wonder, could she be the problem. But she'd been abused. She had become a nobody. 
That's why she was the well at this time in the heat of the day. She couldn't even meet early in the morning with the other ladies. They'd have nothing to do with her. They would look down on her, and they would shame her. But here comes Jesus. You know, a Jew wasn't supposed to talk to a Samaritan. A man wasn't supposed to talk to a woman like that in private. He broke a lot of rules. But, you know, he just said, would you give me a drink of water? We can't see the mannerisms that Jesus used, but we can understand the simplicity and the purity of his words. And by doing this, he simply asked her a favor. He requested a favor Now, technically, this was a compliment. This brought shock and surprise to her. Why is this Jew asking me a Samaritan anything? But I believe that he smiled. I believe that she knew he was not going to abuse her look down on her, speak to her in a derogatory manner. Of course, others wouldn't even speak to her at all. But while our Lord asked questions, they were sharp. They probed to the very heart of her being, but he did not do that in order to depress her or condemn her or to embarrass her. If we could have only looked into his eyes or heard the tone of his voice, then we somehow would understand why this woman was not frightened away. There was something different about this man. At this well, sweaty, thirsty, hungry, waiting on the disciples to bring them something to eat. Beloved, he simply spoke as a friend. Can we do that to somebody? We are accused of doing that, actually, in the South. I was reading the other day, there are places overseas that you are not to acknowledge anybody. If you look at somebody and smile on them, they think you're up to no good. You're not supposed to do that. But here was someone who just showed compassion. Someone somehow showed Someone who understood and could show understanding. This lady got so much into this that she went back to her village and it didn't matter if they wouldn't like her or talk to her or acknowledge her. She went back with a message and became one of the first missionaries. Y'all come see a man that told me all the things I've ever done in my life. He must be the one that's coming. 
That's why he came to earth. He did not come to condemn. He came to save. He did not come to be a critic. He came to see the best in this lady. She could do better. She could be saved. And Jesus was eager for this poor woman to enjoy the privilege of drinking living water from the foundation of life. This man could confirm her, forgive her, tell her the truth, and make her now as pure as some of those women whose nose was so up in the air if it rained, they'd drown. I mean, this woman could be made pure, special. She could be a firm. She could be a person of worth. Before he could communicate to her the truth of this messiahship, she just saw something different in him and opened her heart. So God so loved the worst among us that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for them, for us. For everyone, may we give to them this gift of affirmation. May we communicate with them and not look down on them. You know, I've always said have a plan B, but you know, in this, I don't know if there is one. Jesus said go. And teach people, baptize them, make disciples, affirm them. Everywhere we go, God's got a person there. And he can use us just to make a, give a gift, make a statement of affirmation. Lift somebody up. Just be somebody for Jesus. not look down on people. I know what God has forgiven me of. Beloved, I have no right to look down on anybody. All I've got a right to do is to cast myself at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, it's not my brother and my sister. It's not my mom or my dad. or my, It's me. God, I need saving. I need forgiveness. I need affirmation. And Jesus gave it to me. And you don't have new clothes, you don't have a lot of money, you don't drive a new car, but wherever you go, you can just be a blessing to someone because you've got Jesus. And lastly, Jesus gave the gift of affirmation to old Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was not liked. Among the Jewish people of which he was one of, the, the publicans 
they were about the worst. They were about the worst. They were considered as traitors, as the hirelings of the Roman army of occupation. When the Romans could pick a Jew out of the Jews to collect taxes from the Jews, It was they who purchased the right to collect taxes and profited at the misfortune of their own people. Anything, any price they wanted to make and could collect, after they paid the proper tax, all that they collected beside that was what they could keep. And folks, they were getting there was nobody to stop them. Consequently, they were excluded from the synagogues and from all acceptable social contact with the Jewish people. They were not liked. They were hated. They were despised. But Jesus comes to town. When Jesus visited Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus took the initiative and he affirmed Zacchaeus publicly. And the people were shocked at Jesus insisting to come down because I must go to your home. This is public. Zacchaeus, I must go to your house. And Zacchaeus was beyond shocked that Jesus would even want to go to his home, that he would have anything whatsoever to do with him. But Jesus did not criticize him. Jesus did not accuse him. Zacchaeus was guilty of all kind of crimes, but Jesus did not make him feel negatively about himself. Instead, with wisdom and compassion, Jesus affirmed him in such a way that it made some magical, radical changes in his lifestyle. I learned some of this when I worked with a government with the Department of Human Resources and we worked with kids that had special needs. You know, you don't go to a, a young person and say, you're doing that wrong. You just go to them and say, listen, let me show you a better way. And smile, put your you can get a lot more credit from them. Brother God does that. Zacchaeus, after what Jesus did, of course, changed his life. He just wanted to change his lifestyle. That old life was not good anymore. Lord, I'm going to give 
all of my stuff away. God does that. Sometimes it may not be easy to give the gift of affirmation to a person, but, beloved, such a gift could be worth far more than a lot of money. We seem, thank you, Adam, we seem to have a built-in tendency to be critical toward others. People know us as they hear us describe others. What we probably don't know when they were them, they'll say the same thing about us. People are just critical. Jesus did not have this. He did not come to be a critic. He came to be a savior. He came to a world that hated him and loved it to death. Just in general, how long, how long has it been since we just affirmed the worth of someone else? When was the last time we maybe just put a Christian arm around someone or just said, you're doing a great job, you're doing they come in third brag them give them that something you know I can do better I'm appreciated I'm worth something not to look despairingly or down on somebody but lift them up with a gift of affirmation you're special God just made one of you. You're unique. You're, you are of worth. When someone says to you, you know, you did great, or that looks so good, or I'm so proud of you, you know what? That, that makes you want to do better. It makes you want to just try a little harder. And beloved, that is one gift that we may share with others. It can change an entire life. What was it, the little girl that was picking up little sea creatures and somebody said, there's zillions out here, you can't save all of them, but she said, but this one, it's his whole world. Just one person. Maybe it's a child, or parent, or friend, or loved one, a church member. Maybe it's a pastor, or anyone. You know, preachers need encouragement. Life will take on a new meaning and beauty when we just look for the positive and for the good in others. That's what Jesus did. I know sometimes I've said, 
I wish I could be God from you. No, that wouldn't work. Jesus just reaches out in love. He healed a man that lost an ear in Gethsemane. Loved everybody. And we may not be able to go out and do a lot of big things, but we can make somebody's day and change their world. Let's make that our life calling. Whatever time we've got left or have on this earth, let's try to make somebody's day in Jesus. Let's tell somebody that in the eyes of God, you are of infinite, indescribable worth. And let's help them accept and appreciate themselves. I've heard. I've heard a man look at his girl and say, you were a mistake. Folks, these people are precious. They are not worthless. They are love of God and us. So I know Jesus made somebody's day that day. I pray, dear God, what can I do way out here? It might be that we can make somebody's day. We can change their perspective. We can make them feel like they are worth something. Father, just help us today. Lord, to reach out. Lord, as I've said, I got saved in 1955, and I hadn't got over it yet. And dear God, you keep working on me. Lord, if there's somebody out there hurting or crying or suicidal, if they're depressed, if they're thinking drugs are the answer, God, just help us to be a light on a hill. Lord, somehow just let us meet. That we can just reach out and say, I love you in Jesus. There's a better way. There's a hope. His name is Jesus. He can save your soul. He can save your life. He will never forsake you. He'll empower you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And then there'll be nothing that's impossible for you to do. Lord, help us to be that word. We give you praise in Jesus' name.